Have you ever wondered how to be an active soul winner? Hi, I'm Joel Mutre, and you're listening to the Learn and Share podcast. In today's episode, I have Pastor Dan Cerns with me to share four successful, simple ways to share your faith. Pastor Dan Cerns, thank you for joining me. Hey, good to be here. And uh, I'm excited to talk to you because personal evangelism, help sharing my faith one-on-one is one of my favorite things to do. I did it part of my job and ministry before, but also, you know, you can't share what you don't have. And I love Jesus. And when you have Jesus, a natural result is to want to share him. But today we're going to talk a little bit about the, 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 the ins and the outs of that, the hows and the whys, and really the challenge that Christians have to share their faith. So before we do that, though, share us a little bit. How did you get involved with training people how to share their faith and why are you so excited about sharing Jesus? Well, for a lot of my life and my ministry, um, I'm a fifth generation Seventh-day Adventist, but I had to have my own conversion experience. Um, My junior year of college, my world fell apart. I um, had a reconversion. I went to Korea as a student missionary and I started seeing all these Buddhists that I was becoming friends with asking questions about what it meant to follow Jesus. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And so trying to simplify it all down and share and watch many of those Buddhists become Seventh-day Adventist believers was addicting in a good kind of way. And so I said, this is the kind of thing I'd love to do. I had the chance to go to, as soon as I graduated from college with a business degree and a religion degree, to go to the Texas-Mexico border and start a language school ministry similar to the experience I'd had there in, in Korea. And during that time, we had lots of student missionaries come in for anywhere from six months to two years and training them and showing them how it doesn't have to be all complicated. It's not theoretical. It's your own experience where you're not perfect, but you're growing in Jesus and you're sharing that with other people. And there the light is coming on in their eyes and watching that happen is contagious. But now here I am after many years of ministry. And I look back and I realize that for much of my ministry, I was approaching preparing for the second coming of Jesus on the 500 year plan instead of the 10 year plan. (laughs) And when you start saying, what if we really went after it on a 10 year plan, what would we do differently? How would we approach things? How would I live my life? How would I spend my time? Who would I invest in and how would I help them? So those kinds of things started going through my mind about 10 years ago, and I left working in a union office to go back to a local church on the condition that the local church was going to be all in to take the Adventist message to all of the people of the Dallas-Fort Worth area as fast as possible. So I wound up at Richardson in 2010, Richardson Seventh-day Adventist Church. At that time, it had 600 members from about 35 countries. Uh, when we left there, uh, about uh, six and a half years later, by God's grace, we had 970 members from 51 countries, and many of those we had baptized along the way. So now I get to the conference leader said, we want you to take what you've done at Richardson and start spreading it all over Texas. So that's, it just keeps going from there. Um, y- you mentioned it briefly. Many people think, you know, they're a young person. You're like, hey, I'm not a pastor. You know, I didn't work at a union office. I don't have a lot of money. I don't have the five, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars to hire an evangelist. 
uh, et cetera. Et cetera. I, don't, I don't like preaching or I don't know how to preach, et cetera. You mentioned sharing your faith is not complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, please go a little bit deeper in on that. Well, if you love the Lord, then you want to tell other people about him. But if you're shy, you don't know where to start. And if you're not shy, you may forget to even share. So what we need to do is to have simple roads people can run on, you know, instead of drive in the in the mud and off into the ditch and that type of thing. So what we one of the things we developed in Richardson is we said everybody has spiritual gifts, according to the Bible. Each of those gifts are different. Use those gifts for God's honor and glory. But there are four things that every believer can do no matter who they are, no matter what their education level, background, ethnicity, age, whatever. These four things everyone can do to advance God's cause. I, th- I love that. Why don't we dive into those four <laughs> things? Because, I mean, I was that, hoping you'd ask. <laughs> perfect. Well, let's do it. Um, I love that because it makes it simple. And, and you really, I, one example that I think of is Moses when he was called to go uh, deliver the, pe- the people of Israel. Jesus asked him a very simple question, which is, "What's in your hand?" Mm-hmm. And I, I love that concept because mm-hmm. we don't we don't have to complicate it. Sharing what you have, even Peter, Jesus said, "Feed his sheep." And so, if you have food, gather food, gather what you have. Your your personal story, even in Revelation, it says, "By the word of their testimony, they over." Mm-hmm. came. So there's a personal benefit as for, for the sharer as well as for the receiver. And so I think that's so awesome just sharing what you have. Let's dive into those four things because you're making it seem like it's so simple, yet so many people <laughs> have a fear and a phobia and an overwhelming, uh, they almost go into distress mm-hmm. uh, thinking about the great overwhelming, like the gospel to the whole world. I can't even do it at the grocery store. You know, I have a, I have a family member that when she, when, when she passes out glow tracks, She'll be like, Lord, please help them not to ask any questions. You know, there, there's a general fear of, of sharing uh-huh. your faith because uh-huh. they might not know everything. What are the four things? And let's let's dive into those to make it practical. The first one is intercessory prayer. A lot of people pray for other people. That's a wonderful thing. People who are ungodly even pray for people. And um, but intercessory prayer, everybody can make a prayer list of people they would like to see converted and fully surrendered to God and someday soon serving God and to actually make specific lists with that specific intention in mind. So a person that's flat on their bed, I I had a lady in one of my churches in the past who is an invalid and she said, Pastor, I used to be the head greeter and I was a Sabbath school superintendent. I worked with young people when I was younger, but now I can't do anything. I said, nobody can stop you from praying. And she became one of our greatest intercessor repair warriors. And so we encourage, we just have what we call a like card, L-I-K-E. List people you'd like to pray for. I as intercede for them. Go to the throne room of heaven and say, Lord, please surround this person with godly influences right now in response to our prayer. Remind them of something that in their childhood. Send somebody across their pathway. Help them to come across something on the Internet or a piece of literature. Lord, please do something right now. And then K is kindness shown through simple acts. And then E is encourage Bible study and prayer. So we put these, glo- these light cards. We give these out and update them at least twice a year, sometimes four times a year throughout the whole congregation or wherever people can have these cards and they can list the people and just begin interceding because we believe that God will do things in response to prayer that the devil would cry foul in the great controversy if he did them. So God will always want to save all people. But when we pray 
and God intervenes and the devil says, that's not fair. God says, I'm just answering their prayer over there. I think group prayer is almost like signing a petition, you know, <laughs> uh, because, you know, the governments can do things and they can write policies. But if there's a petition, there's a or a vote like we do in elections, you know, we're, we're mm -hmm. putting our thoughts and our prayers together literally and saying, Lord, we want this to happen. And as fellow human beings, we give permission for you to intercede and to change this person's life. Yeah. I, I really like that. Even having that list uh, card um, with with those different things that you can do. I like how there's kindness involved um, because mm -hmm. not only praying, but actually pouring out blessings uh, on them. Yeah, that's right. If you're praying for somebody, you tend to notice them more. You become more involved in their life and. And so intercessory prayer, everybody can be a prayer warrior. That's the first one. Everybody. There's nobody that can't do that if they love the Lord. The second one is everybody can be a glow missionary. You've mentioned glow tracks. And yes, um, when I was at Richardson on the fourth Sabbath of every month, which we called a high Sabbath, because that's when we always filled the baptistry, uh, always the fourth Sabbath. We had a table in the lobby and we had a mountain of glow tracks of packs unopened. We said the church is the wholesaler and you are the retailers. <laughs> so sign your name and put your phone number or your email address. And that gives you permission to take one or two packs of 100 to pass out during the next 30 days. And so everybody had access to glow tracks. We had glow racks where they could find them other times. But this is when we really had the push. And we get out about 70,000 glow tracks a year from that one church. Just all over the country and all over the world. Wherever people were going, we'd load them up. And... Then we'd feature stories, but we would tell people everybody can be a glow missionary. You can walk through the airport and just say here, 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 here. And when people say to you, well, what does security say? Well, they say thank you just like everybody else when you give it to them. And, um, and when you're walking through the neighborhood, you can say here's something to brighten your day. And most people don't say, well, I don't want a bright day. They say thank you. We found that if you give two titles at a time, they're more likely to take it than if you give one title. If it's one title, they think, what is it? Do I want it? If it's two titles, they think, I've, one of these looks good, and I'll look at the other one later. So we just, some simple things. This never diminishes the role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to be working on people's hearts and in our hearts. But what this does is it allows the Holy Spirit to work through us and giving glow tracks is not just about signing people up for Bible study. And it's not just about giving information to people, even though both of those are great. It's about letting people know we are available to be used by God. And I tell people, even if you are scared to death, you can be a glow missionary by doing chicken witnessing. Chicken witnessing is when you sneak into a public restroom, you look around, nobody's watching, you leave a couple on the, on the counter and you run out before anybody sees you. Everybody can be a glow missionary. I had one, one very sophisticated um, el older gentleman in my church in Richardson. And a couple months before I finished my time there, he came up to me and he said, <coughs> Pastor, I gave out my first glow tracks. And I said, good for you. Give me a high five. And very dignified way, he kind of lifts his hand up and gave me a high five. I said, tell me about it. And he said, I get all of these solicitations for credit cards, and I hate it. But I noticed that they have postage paid back. And so I stick a couple glow tracks, and I figure some secretary somewhere is going to get these. And I said, good for you. Everybody can be a glow missionary, can't they? And he says, maybe. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, I, I really love that that example. There's so many simple ways to pass that glow trap. I used to work with the glow ministry, and so mm. the, the this is just fascinating stories related to this. And I think it's you know with the whole mail back with the prepaid envelopes. You know, either they'll be converted or they'll stop sending you junk mail. That's right. There <laughs> it's you like go. either there way you, you win. Well, here in Texas. Uh, we had somebody gave their testimony because we were telling the testimonies in church and they went to a boot store. Of course, in Texas, there are lots of boots and they said they're there shopping for cowboy boots. And they looked at this long row of cowboy boots and they thought. I bet a glue track could go in each of those. So they dropped one in. So when people bought their boots, they take them home. There'd be a glow track waiting for them. That's powerful. That's powerful. You know, we I didn't ask you about this, but let's go back to the prayer one. Do you have a story maybe that that. Um, would illustrate the power of intercessory prayer mm. as we're as we're going through this list. I've got so many stories. Let me see if I can pull one out right here. Um, well, a lot of times spouses who are believers praying for their spouse who is not a believer um, or boyfriend or girlfriend praying for their boyfriend or girlfriend that isn't a believer. So we have had um, I had the privilege of baptizing when I was at Richardson people who had been Buddhist, atheist, Jews, agnostic, Muslim, and almost all of those started when the boyfriend, girlfriend, or husband, wife, or good friend started interceding for that other person. And just story after story after story of that type of thing. Um, I'll tell another intercessory prayer story combined with another one of those four things, too. Maybe, I, maybe I'll just go to the third thing. Third thing um, is everyone can be a home of hope. Wherever you live, you can let your light shine in that place. If you live in a mansion, you do it in that community. If you live in your car, you do it with the people around you. Everyone can determine that where they are is going to be a light emanating out all around. So if you have a church that has 100 families in it, instead of having one light for that, you have 101 lights for that because every home is letting their light shine. And to be a home of hope, that means at least one person in there is sincerely seeking God through Bible study and prayer and trying to witness on a regular basis. And we try to build into it family worship, if we can, and family outreach together and other things. But when... Um, when we lived up in Vancouver, Washington, a number of years ago, and I was just beginning to understand better how we can rapidly multiply our witness if we have every household become a home of hope, um, we began praying for our neighbors. And we didn't know their names, but we'd pray for them by distinct things. We prayed for the big boat neighbors. They had the, the big red truck neighbors. Th that's right, the big boat, the red truck. We prayed for the cussing neighbors. And they were the ones that cussed worse than the other cussing neighbors because they we pray for them because they had some other feature in their the hot tub in their backyard. So we, we were praying for all of these. We pray for the man with the two dogs and he'd come. He looked like he's near retirement. He come walking by with these two medium sized dogs that were really walking him. And he was cussing them out. You know, you slow down, you blankety blank. Blank, blank, blank. And the first time he came by and we just moved in, I was working in the front yard trying to get things cleaned up. And I said, hi, how are you? And he and he stopped and he looked at me and he said, you live here now? And I said, yeah. And he said, some of your tree limbs are hanging over into my yard. You need to cut them. I said, hey, I'll do that. And he went back to his dogs. Blankly, blank, blank, you know, just so 
you begin praying and you're a home of hope. So you're not just praying for people across the country or at work, which is important, or school. You're praying for people right in your neighborhood. And, and after you've done that for a while as a prayer warrior, you start saying, what else can we do? Well, we ought to try to have a Bible study group or a get together or something at our home of hope. And so my wife and I decided we we're going to have Tuesday night Bible study using some amazing facts, study guides, and we just invite our neighbors. Well, we handed out 200 invitations, but we went specific to the doors, but then we knocked on the doors of the 10 people on our intercessory prayer list, and we gave them specific invitations. And then we invited people at our church. On opening night, we had five people from the church and our family and one of our neighbors the man with the two dogs. <laughs> and at the end of the night, when he left, my wife and I looked at each other and we said, let's see, we know his name is Bill. He said, is this where the Bible study is? When we read around the circle, he said, pass, pass, and pass. And then he said, thank you very much. And so we said, okay, let's hope that he comes back. The next week, he was back again. And he didn't know he was the only pre-Adventist in the group. <laughs> We don't call them non-Adventists. We call them pre-Adventists. And so this time it was very similar. The third week I was traveling, and by God's providence, nobody else came. And it was a little awkward because here's my wife, and here's this older gentleman sitting there, and he says, where is everybody? And my wife says, well, my husband's doing some traveling on the road. I don't know where everybody else is. He said, since nobody else is here, can I ask you a few questions? She said, well, what's that? Well, yeah. Um, in those study guides, a lot of times it'll have uh, two numbers and two dots between them. What's that all about? And, and my wife said, well, that's the, the Bible's organized in books, and those are chapters and verses. He says, wow, that's neat. And then he says, now, in my Bible, there's big print and little print. What's that about? She says, well, the big print is God's word. And the little print are notes that may or may not be accurate about God's word. So always go with the big print. Wow. And at the end, he says, he says, I've learned so much, so much. Well, this friendship continued for a few more weeks. When it came time for us to study about conversion, I said, let's go around the circle. And anybody who'd like to can say, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of every part of my life. And I didn't know what Bill would say when it came his turn. And when it came Bill's turn, he said, Jesus, I want you to be in charge of every part of my life. And I'm thinking, Jesus is leaning over to Gabriel and saying, start a new mansion. We got another one headed here. A couple weeks later, I got a phone call from my wife, and she said, Sharon, Bill's wife, just came over and asked if you'll have his funeral. I said, what? He was standing with his grandson and J.C. Penney and had a massive heart attack and fell dead on the floor. And I began realizing one of the main reasons God put us in that house was to be a light in our neighborhood, but for Bill, our neighbor, to have a chance to ask Jesus to be in charge of every part of his life when he was right at the end and nobody knew it absolutely powerful i mean that that's something that i personally been convicted of you know you live in a, an apartment or you live mm -hmm. in a house 
uh, it's so easy to just have your routine and go in and out, go to work, go to school, whatever you're doing, go grocery shopping and maybe wave at your neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually interacting with them, I think also making like, you know, making cookies for people or passing mm-hmm. out like a book as a Christmas gift or Thanksgiving or, you know, birthdays or Valentine's Day or excuses to do those kind of things. And mm-hmm. you can always include glow tracks in that, too. Yeah. Um, you know, just different gifts, you know, for the holidays and, and whatnot. So that's 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 just one of those special testimonies that I believe God gave you yeah. not only to save him, but to to really use that, especially because he knew that you'll be an an influence to, to inspire other people to do the same thing. Yeah. I know I'm inspired. I know the listeners mm-hmm. will be inspired by that. So we've covered, we've covered the prayer. Mm-hmm. We've covered the glow and, and the home of hope. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm curious. What's the fourth one? Okay. This is one I finally got. And when I got it, it multiplied our number of baptisms. Everyone can be a baptism coach. A baptism coach is somebody who coaches somebody else toward baptism and sees them baptized. And the way it works is this. There are a couple of conditions that it takes for a church to really be on top of this. One is the church needs to have regularly scheduled baptisms by faith, not by sight. Too often we wait till somebody's ready to be baptized and then we schedule the baptism. We schedule them the fourth Sabbath of every single month. Now, if nobody's ready... We had the water in the baptistry. We didn't push anybody in that shouldn't be in there. But I'd walk over to the baptistry and I'd say, who who do you wish was in here? Let's take some time right now and pray for them right now. That's absolutely powerful. And let's pray with each other for each other's per request. And they ought to be here in the next week or uh, the next month or two. And the fourth Sabbath is every. So setting them by faith, at least quarterly, sometimes twice a month, once every two months. In our case, we did it every month for six and a half years. And out of the 76 months, we only had eight months where we didn't baptize anybody. Every other time we baptized one to 15 people. I'm sure we never would have baptized anywhere near that many if we hadn't done it regularly. So that's a condition for baptism coaches. A second condition is to have the baptismal study guides in bulk, easily available in the lobby. Many churches have baptismal study guides that are down the hallway and in that room and in that closet that's locked with three keys on it. And the person who has the, the key is out of town six months out of the year. That's not doing anybody any good. So you put all of the baptismal study guides. There are lots of good study guides out there. You can talk about the merits of all. We picked the Amazing Facts Study Guide Lesson 1 to 14 as our basic prep plan. Now, we did other things to supplement it, but we had Lessons 1 to 14, at least 50 to 100 of those at any given time in the lobby and always restocking. So anybody can take those and give them to anybody. And instead of sitting down and doing the lesson with the people, what we encouraged them to do is if somebody showed a serious interest, give two lessons a week to them, whether they've done them or not, and keep praying with them and then review the quizzes with them together. And what this does is it trains the person, if they're serious, to begin studying on their own instead of always waiting to study until somebody comes. And doing it two a week gives you seven weeks because you have 14 lessons. And and then the eighth one is for us to confirm and clarify and answer questions and all the rest. So we really had an eight-week baptismal prep plan. So if we had a serious interest in August, then I could say if you're serious and focused about following Jesus, then 
September, October, you should be in our October baptism on the fourth Sabbath of October. Mark it down, start inviting your friends, and make sure you're faithful and focused in your studies. I love that. That is, that is really inspiring. I, and I think many times we, we hope and wish for success. Uh, even in on Christian walk, we hope and wish to grow. We, you know, even if you're going to apply to a college, you can't just expect to get in, for example, without applying and, and applying for financial aid, et cetera. And the same thing with our personal spiritual walk as well as evangelism. You can't just hope and wish that people will come into heaven mm -hmm. uh, that they'll be baptized. I like that intentional by faith, filling the baptism, seeking contacts and seeking leads and, and having a plan and a game plan with that. Now, you'd mentioned that you had, by God's grace, huge successes uh, in the church that you're at. Was that church always receptive? Or maybe you can give in a story of other churches that weren't receptive that became receptive and how you maneuvered that because there might be young people listening to this show saying, you know, this is great and all, and I can pray and I can pass out glow on my own, but I, I, w I really, my church is not supportive. Um, how, what, what, can, what can a member, a church member do to help turn that around? Maybe you have an example as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, well, for young pastors, of course, of course, a lot of young pastors get a little discouraged because they may be sent to a two or three church district and then they don't, you know, things, people are not ready. But um, we have two, two of our three kids are pastors now. <laughs> And many of both of them have been in situations where there are churches that were not used to seeing any action. And so they just began setting baptism dates every two months um, or every three months and and praying and announcing to the congregation. This is our next baptism. Who are you praying for? In one case, they invited the elders um, into the baptistry. It wasn't full. <laughs> it was empty. And they prayed for specific people in the baptistry when they first got there. But I would say that for a young person who isn't a pastor, they could talk to their pastor, they could talk to the elders, they could look for some, uh, somebody who's in the church board or leadership structure and say, you know, I wanna share my faith for Jesus. And I'm going to be, uh, and I've been praying for these people and I want to see them make decisions. When is our next baptism? Well, let us know when they're ready. No, can we do this by faith? Is there, can we set some dates so that we can be praying and working with these people? So have that conversation. And second question is, where, what baptismal study guides are available? Can we put those out so other people can get access to them so we can start using them? And, um, and to, to see if those two things could be put in place just through some conversations. And many times, if young people are on, on fire or wanting to try something, especially if there are a couple of them, but if at least one, um, church members will say, well, I don't know if it'll work, but let's at least try this. And, and I would start praying toward a baptism date, even if the church wasn't quite ready. Um, I was told by one one pastor recently, he says, I need to get my church on board because this other Adventist church doesn't have a baptistry in their church and they keep borrowing our church to keep baptizing people. Well, that'll be kind of a wake up call. And and so we found that pastors who will set regular baptism dates by faith and communicate it to both the leaders and the congregation. And this is something you don't have to have a vote on a church board to fill up a baptistry. Yeah, just do it, okay? And and so when they start doing it by faith, God starts sending them people. Uh, one of our sons set December 22nd, last Sabbath, for where we're at right now, um, as a baptism date, didn't have anybody ready two weeks before. But when you have that date, you are looking for everybody who might be near ready. And when it came time last Sabbath, he baptized three people. 
praise the Lord. That is really, really awesome uh, to see how God works with us when we have faith. And I think I like what you said there with a young person that might be in a situation where there's not as much support. Go to the people that are in charge. Go to people that have influence and ask questions and and say, this is what I'm doing, showing that you're involved, that you are serious about what you're doing. Maybe even have some stories like, hey, I have been studying with this person. I have been passing out these glow tracks. You know, hey, pastor, I've been passing out a a thousand glow tracks a month. Uh, Can you please help restock the the literature rack? You know, where can we put these so that other people, can I share a testimony up front every Sabbath? And that brings me to my next question is, uh, somebody who's in the church and they're doing this, maybe it's more specifically glow and maybe a prayer a meeting, et cetera. How do you, you might have an initiative like a, like a baptism or like maybe a revival weekend. How can you keep a momentum with encouraging your fellow church members to be involved in evangelism on a regular basis? Uh, even uh, aside from the baptism, like how you know, maybe glow prayer meeting, uh, et cetera. Yeah. <clears throat> every, every worship service is way more exciting if you have a two or three minute segment called celebrating changed lives and um and so if you can work with the uh, church leaders in your church to do that um what you do is you just have little testimonies like that dignified man who had put his first glow in that in that um, credit card solicitation i got him up and i said leo you you told me that you'd given out your first glow tracks Tell everybody about it. Well, uh, <clears throat> I um, <laughs> and everybody knew him and loved him. And then they ev- they couldn't help but clap when they saw that he'd actually taken that step. And so just having simple little interviews ignites a congregation because they, they realize people's lives are being changed here. And I want to be a part of that. So that's one of the things. Uh, another thing to help move people quickly into activity and ministry is to show them how simple it is. Give them the tools. Put the glow out where they can get to it. Put the Bible study guides out where they can get to it. Put the baptism dates out where they can get to it so they, we can track on this. And then here's, a, here's another little thing along this line. When, somebody, when God gives somebody an idea, uh, we told them, you just make sure the four connections to go for it. God, partners, mentor, flock. So I had a young adult who leaned forward to me one Sabbath and said, Pastor, we need to have a young adult choir in our church. And in my early days, I would have said, well, let's get together and plan and talk and get it to this committee and that board. And uh, Not anymore. So she said this, and I'm about to go up to preach. And she said, we need a young adult choir here. And I turned around, I smiled at her. I said, why do you think God gave you that idea instead of me? <laughs> and she says, what I do? I said, make sure the four connections. And she said, well, what are those? I said, God, partner, mentor, flock. She said, what does that mean? Make sure of your connection with God. You got to be there. If you're not up to date with God, it only takes two or three minutes. Just say, God, I'm coming back to you all in. I'm following you. Doesn't take long. Just come back to him. Second, find one or two or three friends who think this is a great idea and brainstorm your plan together. When do you meet? How will you get out the word? What do you want to do with this ministry? Whatever that ministry is, just get together and brainstorm it. Third, find somebody on the church board who agrees to be your mentor. Anybody on the church board. It can be anybody. This is music, but you can talk to the music leader. You can talk to anybody else. And we printed the names of all the church board members and their phone numbers in the bulletin every Sabbath so people could do this. So they could immediately respond. 
most young people don't have a clue on who a church board member <laughs> is in their church. So you got to put the information out there. It's no secret. And so then I said, once, once somebody on the church board agrees to be your mentor, you are an official ministry of this church. And the fourth connection is recruit your flock and go start leading people to Jesus and into his final movement. And I said, you got it? She said, yeah. And I got up and I preached. That is really practical. I mean, <laughs> I'm taking notes here. <laughs> and uh, I think do the, it. I think I think it's awesome because any even for yourself, um, even if you're not involved with a local church, just the idea of of double checking with God that he's given this burden to you. Why, you know, why has he given it to me instead of somebody else? The idea came into my mind for a reason. And then finding a mentor, uh, finding a partner, mm-hmm. uh, and then finding people to influence. Uh, such a beautiful uh, just I like how things are succinct. I like lists and <laughs> and things like that. I want to I want to ask a couple of things more on the practical side on how to share your faith. We talked about mm-hmm. glow tracks and praying. Um, the the home of hope is a little bit more interactive. Giving Bible mm-hmm. said obviously you have to be interacting, but I know that you have this thing like how to share your faith in thirty seconds or less. <laughs> like let's actually talk really practical. Yes. I'm at the grocery store, yes. the restaurant, or yes. whatever. Like maybe even give us some phrases. Like yes. I mean, pretend that we know nothing. Yes. We do not, you know, I'm a people person. You've shared your faith a lot. You know, it's not as hard for you and I to say, hey, how you doing? You know, look, can I give you something to read? Or, you know, like give us some legitimate practical phrases. How do I share my faith in 30 seconds or less? So I was in a copy center a few years ago, and I a guy walks in and he says, who has the car with a license plate LV2BSDA? I said, that would be me. <laughs> He said, what does that mean? I've been trying to figure it out. I said, it stands for love to be Seventh-day Adventist. He said, what's a Seventh-day Adventist? And I said, well, um, and then I stumbled. That seminar I'm doing here, how to share the Adventist message in 30 seconds or less, came as a result of that challenge. So six months later, I'm at a stoplight. It's a warm day. My windows are down. A carload of teenagers come up in a convertible. And one of the girls says, hey, what does your license plate mean? I said, it stands for love to be Seventh-day Adventist. She said, what's Seventh-day Adventist? And I said, it's a movement of God. We believe everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord if they took the Bible as God's voice speaking to them and asked God to change them to match that, and if they got together with other people who believe the same thing, to encourage each other and take the good news to all the world that Jesus loves them and he's coming again soon. She said, cool, and the light changed and we drove off. That's awesome. Did you script that? Did you write it out, or how did that come about? Yeah, it was, it was really trying to pick through where do we find common ground and how does this relate to the three angels' message and to our fundamental beliefs. And these are three simple ways of engaging with people in a collective way. So I was on a plane with my wife coming back from Puerto Rico a year ago summer. And the last seat on the plane was the one between us because she likes the aisle, I like the window. And he, last guy gets in the plane, guy about early 30s. And he sits down, we get in a conversation. Finally he says, Seventh-day Advent, uh, what do you do for a living? I'm a Seventh-day Adventist pastor. I said, have you ever heard of them? And he says, a little bit. And that means I've got to explain what it is right there. I said, we believe everybody in the world would be happier and better off. And I just went through those three things. And he says, I can agree to that. And I said, well, then you'd make a great Seventh-day Adventist. 
I said, what kind of work do you do? He says, I'm a Catholic priest. <laughs> and I believe he would make a great Seventh-day Adventist. So we found common ground. There are things that he could say. I've had similar experiences with almost every world religion in my travels because now we'll adapt it. So in some places where Jesus is too much, I'll just say, we believe everybody in the world would be happier and better off if they had a living connection with their creator. And you move into, so those three areas we can move into. But anyway, those are some of the things that we'll unpack and let people practice and make it for real for them in the seminar, um, which they, I guess, is going to be recorded. They could listen to that too if they hear this podcast. Absolutely, yeah. This, this, this show will be, will be uh, aired much later, but um, there'll be those available online from, from GYC, as well as maybe just since we're on it, what's uh, some resources that you might have that people can access? Okay, simple resource, texasevangelism.org or .com, same Texasevangelism.org.com. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Now, one thing that I want to touch on here as we're wrapping up is that you mentioned something. You gave that phrase. You had written it down, memorized it. They can read it, and they can listen to it and write it down. Um, many times... It's really looking for and creating opportunities. I noticed that you said, you know, you had your license plate, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know, you have certain things. You have the opportunity to be a pastor. And, you, you know, people say, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor for the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Not everyone's a pastor. They're a student. Mm -hmm, they're whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, what are some tr things that you can either listen for or say or do that would kind of get spiritual conversations going? Yeah. Um, <coughs> Some people may have heard of the acronym FORT or SHIRT, which has been used in Christian circles for many years. FORT stands for Family, Occupation, Religious Background, and Testimony. And so um, if you're getting to know a person a little bit, ask questions about their family. Did you grow up around here? How long have you been here? Do you have family? Do you have children? You're listening to them. O is occupation. What kind of work do you do? And do you like it? How'd you get into that? You just so you're you're entering their family world, their occupation world. Then you say, uh, did you have a religious background? And we ask, we don't say what religion are you, but do you have a religious background? And they'll usually share where they were and how they've gotten to where they are now. And after you've heard those three things, you have a lot of ways to connect with them. And then that leads you to the T, which is your testimony. And your testimony should be very briefly where your life was spiritually before you really surrendered to the Lord and then something good about Jesus, his word and his final movement, which are those three ingredients. And then asking them if they're interested in taking a new step in their walk with God. I really like that asking it almost like an appeal question at the end, mm -hmm. uh, not like, hey, do you want to stand up here on the airplane and accept <laughs> Jesus necessarily? <laughs> but, yeah. you know, in engaging with people. And I think that does come naturally to some people. It doesn't come as naturally to others. And like my family member who just gives out glow tracks uh, and prays that nobody asks any questions, that's <laughs> totally fine because mm -hmm. that's seed planting. God uses all of our efforts. In closing, maybe share one more story that will inspire uh, and maybe make an appeal to the, uh, the people listening that, that know they want to help people, they might be scared um, or are not sure if they want to, how important is it, why should they do it, uh, and just appeal to us to, to, to live for Jesus. Okay. Maybe I'll mention one very brief one and then one a little bit longer. Um, today I was sitting in the worship service at GYC, and there's a group of young people and their leaders from one of the churches in Texas that I know. And they introduced me to this, these two young adults who are here at GYC right now. And then they explained to the young man uh, that the young man who is mid-20s, they said, now, he's not baptized yet. 
And I said, well, is there anything that would make it difficult for you to follow Jesus and be baptized like he was? He says, I need to study more. I said, well, how much more do you need to study? Well, I need to study a lot more. And I said, well, can I ask you a few questions? And he said, yeah. I said, have you come to the place in your life where you have accepted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? He says, yeah. Where you take the Bible as God's voice speaking to you and you want to live, yeah, to that you want to be part of God's final movement that's going to encourage each other and take the gospel. Yeah. And I said, awesome. It shouldn't be long. Have you ever read the 28 fundamental beliefs? He says, no. I said, well, these guys will get you a list and you go through it and you put a check mark or a question mark by every single one and they will help you find answers wherever the question marks are from the Bible so you can see it, and when you change all the, the question marks to check marks, then you're baptized, and it should be less than 30 days. How does that sound? And he says, good. This happened this morning at GYC in the main auditorium. Okay? So it, I was very shy growing up. People don't believe that. People use shyness as an excuse to not witness. But the more we step out of our comfort zone for the Lord, the more the Lord does miracles. If you've not seen any miracles in your life, you have not stepped out of your comfort zone for the Lord very far recently. That's the, that's the key. And I love seeing miracles, so I want to keep stepping outside my comfort zone. But I will close with this story. There's a lady in our church at Richardson named Juanita, and she heard the pastor talk about glow tracks, and she heard other people talk about glow tracks. And she saw the glow track mountain in the lobby every fourth Sabbath, and finally she said, I'm going to take some of those. So she took some glow tracks, and one of the glow tracks she had was this one, a love letter from Jesus. Well, Juanita put them in her purse, and she thought, someday I'll give them out. And she had them in her purse, and she didn't give them out. She didn't give them out. But she wanted to live for the Lord. And when people are asking every day, when you wake up, just say, Lord, what can I do for you today? Open my eyes to see. God may send you to an Ethiopian official like he did Philip or he send you to Cornelius. You don't know what he has in store for you. So Juanita was praying prayers like that and she found herself at the mall one day. I know it's unusual to have a woman at a mall, but that's where she was. <laughs> she was in the food court and it wasn't time for eating. So what were the mall, the food court workers doing? They were offering samples out in front of each of their places. And she thought, well, that's neat. They're offering samples. And the Lord impressed her, you offer them samples from your purse, glow tracks. And she thought, okay. So she went around, they'd offer her samples, some she'd take, some she wouldn't take. And she'd always give them glow tracks. She handed a glow track to this one lady named Lulu. And Lulu looked at the title, A Love Letter from Jesus. She broke down crying and said, I need to talk to you during my break. And Juanita said, when is that? I'm going to get time right now. She went and talked to the boss. They sat down at a table and Lulu poured out her heart. She said, I'm a drug addict and I can't get over it. I have two children. I'm a single parent. Child Protective Services has told me they're going to take the children away because I'm using drugs. And I can't bear the thought of watching my kids go away crying. And I'd ra and then I killed myself. So last night I was talking to myself and saying, I'd rather kill myself and not have to see that than kill myself after I saw that. And so if there is a God, please help me. And then you give me this glow track. That's well, pretty heavy when you've given a glow track, just said here. But Juanita realized that this woman is seeing that God has brought her into her life. 
This isn't just about a piece of paper and a knowledge or anything. This is a relationship that's got to be invested in. And they began talking and praying. And Juanita invited her to a women's ministry group where a lot of them had been through some tough times. And they just loved on her. And she began coming and getting more involved. And a few months later, Child Protective Services did take away her kids. But she now had a trust in God that was growing and a love for godly, from godly people that was helping her. And she got full victory and got her kids back. And nine months after Juanita handed a glow track to Lulu, a food court worker, I had the privilege of baptizing Lulu, who's now a Seventh-day Adventist member of the Richardson Seventh-day Adventist Church. So we don't have any idea what these so-called little things will do in the light of eternity. But someday in heaven, we'll know a lot more stories than we know now. But God in his mercy gives us little glimpses now so if you're nervous or shy or whatever that's fine but this is not about you <laughs> this is about what god is doing in somebody else's life and how you have been given things resources and experiences and all kinds of things that will make an eternal difference for them and so if you will just look past and say, God, use me somehow today in a simple, simple way and build that intercessory prayer list. Drop those glow tracks by. Put them in a cowboy boot or whatever it takes. Do something, something to step outside your comfort zone representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You do that enough, it becomes more natural and you begin seeing more miracles and more miracles and you get addicted to it. And someday in heaven, there'll be a crowd of people around you saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you're going to say it's all about him. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We have a number of episodes yet to come. So make sure to hit the subscribe button and check us out at learnandsharepodcast.com.